Hello and welcome. My name is Kate. I'm a holistic counsellor. I'm a Reiki practitioner and I'm an Ayurvedic wellness ambassador. And I'm on a mission. I'm looking to rediscover simplicity in a world that seems to get way too damn complicated. So buckle up, come along for the ride. We are going to slow down, scale back and work out how we can shine our authenticity onto a world that needs it so badly. Let's go. So before we go ahead and get started, I just want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land I'm recording on, which here in Adelaide, um, I'm on Ghana land, proudly on Ghana land, uh, white Australia has a black history. So I pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging, and I honour and acknowledge their deep relationship with the land that we're so lucky to be on today. So I don't know when y'all are going to be listening to this, but at the time of recording, I'm recording it the same day that I actually launched episode one. So I launched episode one, launched the podcast this morning. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much for the response already. Uh, it's been so kind, so sweet. It's really just made my heart sing and made me feel so special. All of your messages and thoughts um, has just been beautiful. I'm so glad that you were able to take something from my story, whatever that may be for you, whatever resonated or stuck out to you. Um, I'm just so glad to hear that it may have helped guide you or enlighten you or maybe you just wanted to where I am sort of coming from and how I began this whole journey I'm just overwhelmed with the support so far so thank you I'm so so grateful I'm so grateful for this community um particularly my Instagram can't speak my Instagram community um if you don't follow me on Instagram already you can follow me at simplify by Kate I would love to connect with you there I just love that community so much it is such a supportive Base. So, yeah, we'd love to see you there. Thanks for listening. So glad you enjoyed it. I'm actually going to take a change of pace today. Originally, I planned on sort of doing maybe a two or three part series that sort of unpacks how I got started on my healing journey, how I got into wellness and counseling and holistic health and all of that kind of thing. But given that episode one was quite intense, quite heavy, there was a lot going on, I thought let's, you know, chill it down a little bit and maybe focus a little bit more on, I guess, some of the practical things, some tips and tricks, a little toolkit, if you will, that really helped me in that first, I guess, like mindset and mental stage of beginning this healing journey and wanting to change my life and change who I was and change how I was viewing my world and how I was showing up in the world. Let's make this a little toolkit video and I'll tell you the top six tools that really, really helped me shift my life and recreate my life and make it the beautiful thing that it is today. I hope it's helpful for you. But before we go diving on into that toolkit, I've got a few announcements to make. I honestly, I cannot believe how much I have been on my hustle shit <laughs> the last 
uh, I guess the last like week, but the last few days, man, prior to last week, I was just in the biggest, I guess it was kind of like a burnout. I would call it a prolonged burnout, like procrastination freeze state. And I'd say that this definitely shows up for me when I become overwhelmed, when I'm super stressed, and I feel like when there's a lot going on in the world and I'm perhaps neglecting my self-check-in practices or I'm trying to juggle way too much. And I mean, I work full-time, I study, I run Simplify, obviously I have my partner, I have my friends, and just like basic survival tasks. Sometimes just that is enough to overwhelm the average Joe, isn't it? So I find when I get really burnt out, I enter this like freeze state of procrastination where I'm struggling to do even the most basic things. And then it makes it worse, right? Because I'm like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I have so much to do. I'm so overwhelmed that I don't know what action to take. So I'm just going to do nothing and then make it even worse for myself. (laughs) It's just a beautiful part of being human. And I mean, I guess it's just because our brains are so overwhelmed that we haven't been able to create that space for ourselves to think about where to start and think about where we're feeling aligned and to feel inspired about what we're doing, right? Because when we're burnt out, even the the things that I normally love to do, I'm like, oh man, I'm so tired. I just don't even have energy for that. So I had a week of leave, which was amazing. And that really let me create some space to get back into what I was wanting to do. And I didn't take that week off to be like, oh my God, I'm going to go absolutely crazy on my business. And no, I took the week off and I did absolutely nothing the first couple of days. I celebrated my birthday. I refused to do any household chores. I didn't go grocery shopping. I didn't put away three baskets of clean washing that had just been sitting in my room for like 10 days. (laughs) Um, I refused. I was like, no, because I think it's so important to create that space. You do need to kind of sit in the releasing, the surrendering the nothing without the pressing urgency or pressure of deadlines and work tasks and all that kind of jazz. So I started off with that. Obviously, it really helped. I got really pushed out of that yin energy. I was just so heavily in my feminine, like too much so. And I went bang (laughs) into my yang energy. And wow, I went crazy. I redid my whole website. I have a new website. She's had a makeover www.simplifiedbykate.com. I've got my Reiki bookings live on there. So that won't be available to book until December because I still need to set up a couple of things in the actual base itself. But you can book ahead of time. That is all ready to go. Obviously, I created this podcast, so that's exciting. And I also enrolled in yoga teacher training. So I've just been going absolutely bonkers. How exciting is that? (laughs) So if you're feeling super overwhelmed, if you feel like you're stuck in a little bit of like a burnt out procrastination loop or a depressive procrastination loop, first of all, just know it's so common. I invite you to really think about where you might be able to take that space, even if it's just making sure you take a lunch break, even if it's just waking up earlier to kind of sit by yourself and have that quiet time in the mornings to kind of arrive before you throw yourself into the day. That's enough of that. Let's get into things. So I'm going to talk about, I guess, the top six tools. I'm going to call them tools. I'm going to call this your toolkit in terms of how I really shifted inwards 
to work on myself and to create space to work on myself to show up in the world in the way that I wanted to be when I was in a place where I really didn't even know what that looked like. What were the tools and the grounding forces that really helped that to happen? First of all, social media. Wow. It is such a beautiful connective force for us and obviously it in some ways it's unavoidable in other ways it's such a bonus for us and you know it comes with so many pros however if you are in a place where you're really doing some inner work you need to limit that 100% you need to limit that funnily enough when I was in Canada I was going through obviously this really intense breakup I was totally isolated on the other side of the world having the worst time ever Uh, I got locked out of my Facebook and I could not get back into it. I tried. I tried even when I got home from Canada and I was like moving into my own place and resetting up my whole life. I could not get back into it. And I was just like, oh, whatever, I'll make another account. And I just didn't. And it was honestly the best thing that I ever did. And when you have Facebook, when you use Facebook, you're like, oh, I wish I could delete Facebook, but like, I need it to know when my friend's birthdays are, or I need it to like get invited to events or you know I want it for Facebook marketplace I totally get that I love a marketplace moment but you don't need it people survive without Facebook I know that sounds obvious but what I don't think we realize is just how much apps like Facebook are just really draining so much of our energy particularly now that there's so much news on there and like videos that autoplay do you mind I did not it's a little bit like non-consensual isn't it just like why are you playing and it's so loud and abrasive Anywho, I would delete as many social media platforms as you realistically think you can. If you just delete the app, you can still access it. So I really, I think you have to be really hard on yourself. I think so many of these things are almost like an addiction. And for me, it took literally being locked out of it, right? Because otherwise, if I was like, oh, I'm going to take a break from Facebook. Nah, I would just re-download the app and have a look or maybe you look on Safari or whatever instead of having the app. No. You really want to cut it cold, delete it. That is really what I would recommend because when you are constantly looking at what other people are doing, first of all, you're comparing yourself to a million other people. Secondly, you're being inundated with news, which can be stressful and distressing, much more so than we even really notice. Like we don't think we're reading it, but all of this is stuff that's just soaking into us and energy that we're soaking up without even realizing that, that that's what we're doing. Not only that, but I think it's become so normalized through things like Facebook to hang on to connections for way longer than we would in everyday, normal, person-to-person life. Why do we need to see what Julia from year three is doing at her wedding? We don't. It is natural for relationships to be in our lives for a certain season and then for that to mutually kind of disintegrate and it's no longer serving us. There's no bad blood there necessarily, but we don't need to be so connected to every single human that we have ever interacted with in our entire lives. And I know that, you know, it's fun to see what some bloke you met on a Kentucky one time is doing these days or your 100 friends from the girls' bathrooms at clubs. I get that. That's a wholesome vibe. Don't think it's necessary. And I think it takes, it's so taxing on our energy to just be so connected to so many people. You just really need to scale back and minimize your circle to the people that you're actually wanting to spend time with, the people that are actually important to you in your everyday life. 
And, you know, with the events thing, I thought, oh, gosh, I'm going to look rude, you know. People are going to invite me to things and I'm not going to be accepting or declining or even know it's happening or whatever. No. The people that really matter will text you to ensure that you're coming to their event or that you know about their event or you know what's happening. They will go out of their way to connect with you. So that would straight up be the first thing I would do. Have a cleanse of your social media, remove any that isn't serving and take regular long breaks. Although they have plenty of benefits, they are certainly not great for our mental health. And if you're somewhere where you're already feeling very overwhelmed and you're trying to reconnect to intuition without so many distractions and such loud technology noise, that is 100% what I would be doing. Delete Facebook. You can do it. I believe in you. Now, tool two is very similar, right? Actually, my first few tools that I have noted down here are all technology-based. Turn off the notifications on your phone, all notifications. The only notifications that you really need, obviously it's up to you. For me, to this day, I did this in 2019. It's now nearing the end of 2023. I have never turned them back on. And the only notifications that I have on are phone calls. Even then, my phone's always on silent, but I do not have any other notifications. And honestly, I think there's just so many aspects to why this is beneficial, right? Firstly, I think similar to social media, notifications and technology in general, it just, they're creating such a urgency culture or this culture where we feel like we need to be constantly available. Even if you're not consciously thinking that, subconsciously, it's what it's training your brain to do, right? Because your phone lights up, you're immediately looking at it. You're immediately replying to the text. You're immediately checking your Instagram DMs. Oh, somebody's retweeted me. I'm going to have a look at that. If you don't have notifications on, you're not constantly having your attention grabbed by your phone dinging, lighting up. And I guess the beauty of neuroplasticity is that while our brains adapt to the quick, 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 interrupting, constant go, 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 urgency culture um, vibes of our phones and technology, we can train it to not do that anymore, right? But the first way to do that is to turn off those notifications. And I think if you're someone that struggles with boundaries, that struggles with people pleasing, this is a huge one, a huge one. I know for me, I was always kind of the the crisis hotline, particularly for my family. If something were to go wrong, which, um, you know, going wrong can mean a whole variety of things to different people and often what was considered an emergency in my family love you guys but it's really not an emergency you don't need to be hitting me up about that so if you're struggling to put those boundaries in place and you feel like you're always answering phone calls especially even when it comes to work as well it doesn't have to just be family if you're someone that's always replying to work messages or taking work calls when you feel like you really want to switch off but you struggle to say no or you feel like you have to people please or you feel like you have to be constantly available if you have your notifications turned off you're not tempted to because you don't even know that it's going off you don't even know someone's trying to reach you and if it's that urgent they will leave you a voicemail and you can get back to them in your own time i'm actually going to call this beginner boundaries if you're someone that struggles with boundaries turning off notifications on your phone is beginner boundaries it's your first step to not being constantly available and having to please everybody else's demands before your own. Also, in the context of a breakup, if you don't have notifications on, you don't have that ding, oh my God, is it him? Is he texting me? And then you look and he's not texting you, it's somebody else and your heart sinks and you have to really deal with that yo-yo of emotions. 
turning off your notifications makes you feel so much more in control because when you're looking at texts, it's you making the choice to have a look and see if somebody's texted you. You don't notice until you go into your text messages and you can see a new one. You're not kind of at the beck and call of notifications. Tool number three, and I'm still on my technology tirade. No phone in the bedroom overnight. I know. I know you're crying. I don't know. And look, I love a bedtime TikTok scroll as much as the next person. That's cool. I'm not saying don't ever take your phone into the bedroom, right? And I think that's the important thing to remember is that these tools need to actually be achievable and sustainable and realistic for you. You don't need to be going boot camp army sergeant on yourself and, you know, taking away the, the joy of a nighttime TikTok scroll if that's something that brings you happiness in this life. I'm not about that. But have your scroll, charge it overnight in another room. Don't use your phone alarm to wake up and don't have your phone sitting with you overnight because it just it gives you a nice gap between you and your device before you then go and start your following day, right? Also, I just find waking up to a phone alarm so abrasive. There is not a single phone alarm tone that isn't some version of hell. I said what I said. I just don't. Nah, you could not pay me to wake myself up with an iPhone alarm. No way. But what's important about this is that you're being intentional, right? You are, once again, taking accountability, taking back hold of your power. You're in charge. You are making the conscious, intentional choice to put your phone in another room, to have your sleep and recharge time to wake up and not immediately be blasting your conscience and energy with social media and who's texted me and what's happening today and let's look at the news. No, you're taking charge of creating that space. How do you wake up without a siren alarm phone blasting into your ear holes and ripping you out of REM sleep and immediately triggering you into fight or flight? Oh, I mean, as amazing as that sounds, and I'm so freaking glad I don't do that anymore, sunrise alarm clocks, hear me out. Hear me out. Anyone that knows me knows that things I have shares in include sunrise alarm clocks, because I talk about them all the time, as well as Google Calendar and probably my produce delivery. They're all things that I talk about a lot. But basically, the idea of it is that it wakes you up with light rather than with sound. So this is really when I, I guess, started getting into Ayurveda and a lot of uh, Eastern philosophies say, right, that it's good to rise with the sun or just before the sun. I was like, that's nice. In winter here in South Australia, it's not getting light until like 8 a.m. And I've got to freaking get my day going. I've got, got to go to work. I've got to get up. I want to create that space in the morning. So what it does is it slowly wakes you up. You set your alarm for, say, 6 and from 5.30 it starts dark, it gets lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter, mimicking the sun. And by the time the chime goes off, because you can set it so that it has a chime as well, by the time that goes off, you're already basically awake. And the chime is just saying, okay, time to get up. You're already out of that really deep REM sleep and you're not sort of just being so abrasively <laughs> introduced to the day. It is such a nicer way to wake up and then I can leave the bedroom, get up, do my thing and make the conscious choice to engage with my phone when I am ready to, to go ahead and do that. And again, I think the important thing here is that set yourself up to succeed, right? So for example, if I'm saying, oh, I'll keep my phone in the bedroom overnight, but I'll have like 
uh, whatever that setting is where it puts a timer on your apps. So you're only, it only set, lets you use them for, I don't know, 30 minutes or something, and then it locks you out of the app. Yeah, that's a nice start, but you can just ignore it. Like it pops up and you can click ignore, <laughs> or you can go into your settings and just change it, right? Make it easy for yourself to succeed. Remove the whole phone from the room because you can't ignore the the time capacities then. You can't go into the settings and change it and keep scrolling through Instagram reels that aren't even funny until 11.30 at night and then you're tired the next day and not waking up earlier like you keep telling yourself you're going to do. Stop it. Stop telling yourself that you're going to do something differently when you're not making the the embodied action, the choice, the intention to actually go through with that. Set yourself up for success. Take your phone out of your room. Get it away from you. Honestly, it is just the only way to do it. Tool four, journaling. I know you're rolling your eyes at me. You're like, yeah, journaling. Everyone says to journal. But I know obviously it's not something that comes naturally to people. If you're not somebody that writes a lot, if you're not somebody that talks about feelings a lot, it can feel, to be honest, super corny and cringe to journal. You're like, what do I even do, right? Dear diary, uh, today I am sad. <laughs> so it's hard to know where to start. And you feel like, I think starting is the worst part. You're like, what do I write? What do I say? Once again, set yourself up to succeed. The goal is consistency. The goal is not how much you are writing, right? We're not focused on the output. We're focused on showing up and, and doing the committed actions. So I say, you know, commit to journaling and journal every day, every single day, even if it is literally one sentence. And prompts can be really, really helpful with this. If you just don't know where to start, you can use a prompt. I know when I was trying to get back into journaling, when I was just in such a, a low place and I just felt I was a little bit scared, I think. I was like, I don't want to open these floodgates and then I don't even know, just have an emotional crisis into this journal. You can start with like a gratitude journal if that's something, if that's just going to get you writing every day and get you into the habit of writing, absolutely go for it. And that's what mine was like. It's like, today I'm grateful for the sun. Today I'm grateful that I have milk at home for my coffee. It can literally be as simple as that. That's all you need to do. And the more that you do it, the easier it will come and you'll be able to connect with yourself better and your ideas and feelings better and be able to translate that to the page. And I mean, the benefits of journaling are, there's just so many of them there. It's so, so good for you. I won't deep dive into that in this episode or we'll be here all day. But I think the main thing to remember is that it's really a self-check-in practice. It's helping you understand yourself. It's creating space for you to be with yourself and to rebuild that intuition self-trust and really reflective practice to look back on your emotions or look back on a situation and, and think about how you dealt with it, how you might deal with it better in future. Although a little uh, self-plug here, I will say I'm planning on releasing an offering that's based around the idea of a self-improvement subscription, right? So if you're someone that feels like you really want to journal, you really want to have a self-check-in practice and you're just not sure where to start, what that might look like, you feel a bit overwhelmed by the whole idea, never fear. I will have a offering available that's subscription-based. It will be nice and affordable because I want it to be accessible for as many people as possible. And I'll do the hard work for you, whether that looks like a journal prompt, whether that looks like a meditation, whether it looks like 
some guidance questions for you and that will get sent through to you and you can just work on that. And that takes, I guess, the thinking out of it and the hard part out of it for you so you can just start doing the work. Tool number five, I guess I could kind of umbrella it under journaling or I could have made them the same, I guess, but that's okay. We'll keep it separate. A self-check-in practice. And, you know, I guess it doesn't have to look like journaling or you could have a separate one to journaling. But what it is, is it's really picking something that is a time for you to just show up for yourself and check in with yourself. And that can look like a meditation practice. It can look like journaling, like we just talked about. It can look like doing oracle card readings for yourself on new moons, perhaps to set new intentions. It could be like a weekly goal setting and a weekly wrap up. So you set goals on, say, a Sunday night for the week ahead of what you want to achieve. And then on a Saturday, you look back and say, okay, how did we go? How did I feel this week? Where do I feel like I needed a little bit of extra love? Where do I feel like I really shone and did really well and I'm proud of myself, etc. It can really be a myriad of things, right? And I think that's important to remember. I don't think it's helpful when we're thinking that a self-check-in practice has to look a certain way or that anything has to look a certain way, that meditation has to look a certain way. I used to always say, oh, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. My brain's too busy. It's like, babes, that's the point. That's the point. What are you talking about? (laughs) And I hear that all the time. I can't meditate because I can't sit still. Meditating could look like you gardening or it could look like you just sitting with a hot cup of tea in the mornings and just looking outside the window. That's really what it is for me, or I'll do that in the garden, and I'm just focusing on the feeling of the cup in my hands. I'm focusing on my senses. I'm sitting in the present. It's just creating that space for yourself. That's what a self-check-in practice is, however that may look. It's going to be individual to you, and I really invite you to show a lot of grace with this and to be creative with this. Have a bit of fun with this. Maybe you try oracle card readings and you decide it's not for you. That's fine. At least you gave it a go. It's still the same. You're still creating that space for yourself and showing up for yourself. That's the whole point. And again, your self-check-in practice needs to be sustainable for your lifestyle. Set yourself up to succeed. If you go into it saying, oh, my self-check-in practice is going to be that I meditate for 30 minutes every single day at 4.30 a.m., and then I do a cold plunge, and then I do a somatic dance practice, and then I do some Wim Hof breath work. I don't know about you, but I don't have four hours free in the mornings, to be quite frank, so that's just not going to (laughs) be sustainable for me. And if you go in saying that, and that's not in your capacity, you're setting yourself up to fail. That is the worst thing that you can do for yourself, particularly if you're already in a place where you're struggling with self-trust and connection to the self, because you're just reinforcing the idea that you're not reliable, you're not self-trustworthy, and that you don't have your own back. So make it sustainable for your lifestyle. If you are super busy, if you're a mum, if you're somebody that works, if you are feeling really depressed and just getting out of bed is hard, scale it back and then scale it back again. So you think, okay, I can't meditate for 30 minutes. I'll meditate for five. Scale it back again. I'll meditate for two minutes. You do a week of two minutes, then maybe you can up it to five if you feel that you're in a place for that. But set yourself up to succeed. Look for those small wins. 
little bit by little bit, you want to focus on consistency over output. Tool six, spend time with yourself. And I would really encourage to do as to do that as randomly as you can in terms of trying lots of different activities. When you're in a deep healing place and you're not even sure who you are, you're not even sure what you like, honestly, do anything and everything. When I was in this period, I was going to watercolor classes. Um, I did a candle making class. I stayed at random Airbnbs. I did so many different random live stream events, especially once COVID hit. I was doing like womb remembrance classes and like group meditations and online breath work. And I went to yoga festivals when I wasn't even like regularly practicing. I wasn't even sure how to do yoga. I just showed up. I just went. And I think the best thing about that is that you're immediately getting rid of any sort of imposter syndrome because you're like, you're kind of embracing the imposter. You're like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't even know if I like this. I just decided to enroll and see how I go. And I mean, it doesn't have to be something that costs money. There's so many free events that you could go to. Um, if you look at your community centers, if you look at your libraries, if you go on Eventbrite, you can literally filter it by free events. So I would really start there and just see what's on and just go with yourself, go with an open mind and treat it almost as like a, a test run, a test drive of hobbies, proving to myself that I can do something outside of my comfort zone and do something a little fun and spend that time with myself and dedicate a whole day of just doing something like that that's not necessarily quote-unquote productive was the important aspect of that tool and that's what it is is that it's showing yourself that you are worthwhile spending time with and being creative with and letting go of attachment to outcome. I would recommend that so, so highly. And it's something that I think particularly if you're someone that's in a relationship, it's really important to to make time for that. Otherwise, it's very easy for codependency to, to show up. And that's the six. That's your six tools that I really think are what are integral to helping us reconnect with ourselves and rediscover who we are and create who we are. And they were the pillars for me in my healing journey, and they still are. I still have these pillars in my life. I still engage in all of these practices. I still have all of these tools, and I still fall back on them when I fall into periods of overwhelm or I fall into periods of anxiety or depression or I'm struggling or the world feels really overwhelming. I can scale back, think back to my toolkit, think, okay, I'm going to limit social media. If I, for whatever reason, have notifications back on, which I never would, but if I did, I would turn all of those off. Okay, I'm going to make sure I'm taking that really intentional time apart from my phone where I'm literally putting it in a different room and I'm shoving it away. Okay, I'm going to journal. I'm going to find some prompts for me to journal with this week. Okay, what can I do for myself this weekend, right? Can I book into a yoga class? Can I go to the art gallery just by myself and have a fun day doing that? I'm going to really, really prioritize my self-check-in practice. Have I had that going for me? Oftentimes when I fall off the wagon into these struggle periods, it's because I've lost the self-check-in practice. It's really hard to, to maintain that, particularly when, you know, we go through really busy periods of life. And it's such an irony. It's like the times that we will most benefit from our self-check-in practices, for me, it's when they are most likely to fall away. But the universe will keep giving us the same lessons until we learn them. We're always a work in progress. And they're good reminders because when I fall off my self-check-in practice bandwagon, 
And then I'm like, oh, why do I feel like shit? And then I'm like, oh, because I haven't done any self-check-in for three weeks. I've been go, go, go. I'm in fight or flight mode and now I'm burnt out. It's like, oh yeah, here's the reminder. Here's why I do this. Here's why this is so important to me and why I want to share it with so many people because it is the grounding force of how we, honestly, I think remain sane in such a intense world. I really invite you to take those tools on board. I'd love to hear about how you go with them. Like I said, keep it sustainable, set yourself up for success. So maybe instead of looking at all six tools and being like, here we go, I'm going to start with every single one. Settle down there, partner. Pick one. That's my invitation to you is to pick one and commit to that for the week. I would love to hear how you went. I would love to hear which one you picked. So if you want to share, you can certainly share with me on Instagram at Simplified by Kate. And yeah, have a look at my new website if you want to. The invitation's there, www.simplifiedbykate.com. If you're feeling called to connect with me further, if you're interested in Reiki or self-intuition healings, you can contact me through my website. I'd love to chat about that with you. And until then, I'll see you guys next time.